Hi, welcome to Help with or Hannah. Or we oh, wait one second. We're good. Okay, slay. Hi, welcome to Help with Hannah and Calvin. I'm Calvin Reed. I'm Hannah Jones, and we are answering your questions, dear Abby style. This podcast is brought to you by Little India. This is a beloved local, family-owned restaurant with four locations throughout the Denver area and a coffee shop. Some of my favorites on the menu include the chicken korma, tamarind margarita, and all the samosas. If you live in Colorado, you should make this place a regular stop. And if you're visiting our great city, be sure you don't miss Little India. Visit littleindiadenver.com to find a location near you. And thank you, Dude IDK Studios in Denver, where we are recording. Hi, Calvin. Hi. How um, has your week been? What's it's new? been a week. It's been crazy. I mm-hmm. literally... So I work at a gym like extremely, extremely, extremely part-time. And I used to want to be a personal trainer. It was a whole moment in my life. Yeah. I realized it requires a little bit too much entrepreneurial spirit that I just have in other ways that I don't have for training. It requires entrepreneurial spirit? Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I didn't know that going in. Like I thought you would just like go to a gym and they would give you clients. Like in Broad City. Nope. You have to like – they're like work for your clients while you're at the gym. And it's like isn't that the perk of me – being here and I think that's like how it is with all places and I'm also not like a super commission heavy guy and a lot of it's commission and so I just didn't really I was more just like oh my gosh let's make fitness accessible to everybody which is a great intention but not how the system works but I so I do that and I just hate January is in February is at the gym because it's the new year's resolutions Mm -hmm. and I so support people wanting to make their new year resolution the gym good for you I love it so much and you know what I don't I'll go ahead. <laughs> I'll don't. go ahead and take the rude as hell take there, which is that like if you with a specific issue think that you are going to make more growth in January than any other year, I hate to break it to you any other time of the year. I hate to break it to you, but it's not going to work that way. Yeah. Like you are already showing that you don't understand anything about the change. <laughs> yeah like that's so that's so 80s of you come on it's, if you show up at an true. open mic in january for the first time i don't take you seriously i'm sorry i don't show up in june and i'll assume that you're gonna start comedy and that comedy is gonna be a part of your life now you show up to the gym in june i'm like yeah okay you're showing up the same way normal people it takes a very special kind of delusional person to be like the start of the year was a great opportunity <laughs> like i understand like the intention behind it because i've I've realized like I like the goal setting. I'm like, oh, you might as well use that to start, but you have to have like a follow through. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people, that's where they like miss it. And especially with like the gym, because it dies off by March. Like literally it just, there are some people who stay, but it's like when I I would hope that they would like to think that they're thinking long-term because you're right. Especially the gym, you cannot get everything fixed in January. Yeah, literally. Well, and just like the gyms know that they literally profit off of it. Mm -hmm. I had a planet fitness membership where when I had to cancel, so you can sign up online super easy. I realized I'd been charged for like six months and then I hadn't been and I thought I had already canceled. And I went and I was like, hey, I called before and I canceled. And they're like, it's impossible for you to cancel over the phone. And I was like, well, I really, they told me I canceled. They're like, well, you can't cancel over the phone and you can't cancel online. You have to get this fucking Calvin. You have to mail a letter. You have to mail a letter like you're sending your grandma a thank you card. And you have to be like, please, Planet Fitness, may I no longer be a part of your fucking Ponzi scheme? May I no longer go to the Kmart of gyms? Please. 
these are the gifts. Can you stop taking $10 out of my account every month? And then I guess they write you back to say, sure, we'll stop taking $10 out of your account every month. It's absolutely insane because it's like Planet Fitness. Out of all the gyms, you... At your budget-ass, poor people-ass status, I would think that you would be the one to understand that I can't afford a printer <laughs> and stamps. I don't have time to go to the grocery store for stamps, and neither do you, because I'm only paying you $10. It costs $10 to get stamps at the grocery yes, store. and I don't live in an apartment that, like, regularly delivers me mail. You know how when you're poor and you live in a shitty apartment, somehow you just never get your mail correctly? Yeah. I would assume that Planet Fitness also has that problem because they're also poor. Yeah, I mean, that is so, they may, that feels like a joke. That feels like an SNL skit that they require you to mail a letter. Literally, a letter. That's weird. My gym does, thank God my gym doesn't do that. I would, that would be even, who, I think they are more particular about cancels. I don't think you can cancel over the phone. I do think, I think they make you go in person, but I could be wrong. In person is insane, too. That's why I thought you were going to say that. And then you said mail a letter. And I was like, oh, that's make it one step but even worse. But it's embedded into the pricing structure of a gym that mm -hmm. all the people who don't go pay for the equipment of the people who go. Like, your actual membership fees aren't commensurate to what you're getting out of it. You, you have to be subsidized by all of the people who are delusional in January. Like, they get a huge income spike. And that pays for a lot of what they do throughout the year. And then they take a loss in other months. Like, the people who work out of the gym are the Costco hot dog of the gym. Yeah. And the people who sign up in January, never go and cancel in April, are the Costco... I don't know what they have good margins on. It seems like everything's cheap at Costco. But, you know, the opposite of the hot dog. Yeah. The opposite of a loss leader. That is a great way to look at it. And I, I would say I have like done like the, the, I was a trainer during a January and they were always like, get it people for their new year's resolutions. And I would, cause I'm, I'm really not a sales person. Like it's hard for me to do sales with comedy and it's like my passion in life, much less like something I'm not unbelievably passionate about. I just, I've just never had that mindset. And so I'm like, well, if they want to do it for your new year's resolution, cool. That's great. I don't feel like we should like incentivize otherwise. Like it's ultimately whatever. And it's just, you know, because it's a corporation it's very mm -hmm. sales oriented and that kind of thing. And because it's a sales position, I didn't know it was walking into it. Um, it was, it, it does feel like I'm just like, Oh yeah, you want to feel bad about yourself on in January girl. <laughs> let me help with that. Actually. I had one of my former managers tell me, cause I was very big on like, I'm a show. Like we do like a free hour with a trainer mm -hmm. and i was always big on like girl let me show you what you can do on your own in case you don't want to spend money like i get it training is expensive yeah i want to get you moving because movement will make you happier it will give you endorphins you'll feel strong who doesn't want to feel strong like blah 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 whatever um and i told him that i give people moves that they can do at home and he was like don't ever make them feel like they can do things without <laughs> you part of the point of selling is to make it seem like you they need you and it's like but i don't what the fuck? Yeah. And it's like, I forget. Yeah, you're a sales guy. You're like a young, like, Teach for America kid who's like, I just want to help the kids. And then the principal is like, no child left behind. Where's your test scores? It is funny how, like, in a lot of jobs, the more that you are concerned with, like, your capacity to benefit the world, the more that you will be incompatible with that job. Yeah.
very very true and it's and and i am very i don't really do any like I, I i don't really do much anymore when it comes to like marketing is a is a trainer um it was just like very eye-opening to to like see because like y'all it, they're like talking about like this is like we're, we're helping you it's like i feel like you're being a little predatory you guys like people will sign up to to do things if you aren't predatory about it i don't get why corporations don't get that the yeah. second you're predatory it's such a turnoff for me it makes me not want to work with you a hundred percent. I mean, I really would love to find a personal trainer. Um, but one of the big turnoffs is the like imagining them telling me I just, okay. I have had so many health professionals specifically tell me whenever the topic of a body or nutrition or losing weight comes up, they will specifically tell me just eat 1200 calories a day, which for me is what I ate when I was at the height of my eating disorder and was thought I was going to pass out during every comedy set. Like truly, yeah. I would go up and I would like pretty much not eat all day. And then I would eat something high in carbs right before I went on stage just so that my like brain would turn on for the night. And it would only give me like an hour worth of energy. So let's hope I didn't have to go up too late in the night. But I would literally be on stage at Comedy Works dizzy as fuck. And comedy like in a sense saved my life because I remember thinking to myself on stage at Comedy Works, dizzy and like couldn't remember if I had already told a joke or if I still needed to tell that joke and I was like I think if I ever want to get really funny I have to eat <laughs> I think I have to eat yeah. like a normal person but I'm like so worried that if I got a personal trainer it would be some person who's like doesn't know anything about nutrition and would tell me to eat 1200 calories a day yeah I got like a certified nutritionist thing and literally during the nutritionist thing they're like here's what your scope of practice is and it's like nothing like it's so little but there are so many people on TikTok that are like I'm a nutritionist and he, like here's my meal plan it's like technically you can't give meal plans out as a nutritionist like fun fact there if, if you're listening on the pod and you think you can you can't um they like literally say it's not in your scope of practice because you don't know people's blood work you don't know like all that stuff like people shouldn't be doing that and also 1200 calories is not enough that's right yeah. i hate healthcare professionals who are fat phobic because it's like bruh why not because i i've been so blessed i haven't had that like i've mm. always had people that have been more chill and i know part of that's just because i'm a guy but um they i've i've not had that and it's like that would be frightening to have like a medical professional be like eat less when that's like not the and do you want to know do. the most insane part of it what? do you know the most insane part the last most recent man to tell me to eat 1200 calories a day was drum roll please a dermatologist <laughs> a dermatologist <laughs> yeah who <laughs> just as a hobby makes women feel terrible about themselves how did it come up in the dermatology appointment you ask i don't fucking remember because i was anorexic at the time so <laughs> yeah. no, no. not a lot of memories from no, those two years I know. no that, and that's yeah that makes a lot of sense it, it's the it's the quicker expiration date of the three big there's only there's three big eating disorders right anorexia bulimia and eating don't call the eating disorders big it's triggering <laughs> <laughs> the three major um the three major ones the three are tiny skinny disorders <laughs> me with my therapist no like literally i'm just like i i'm like can i just be the most petite thing that's ever walked the planet and it's like i'm a six foot one football built man i'm not gonna be so i that's i love having my sweatshirts be over big so i can feel like ariana grande and just put my mouth and like i'm so small i do the same thing it's like what like what dude that's weird yeah so i i specifically I, I if i told people if people asked me for nutrition advice as a trainer i would always say veggies and fiber is always going to be good for you lean yeah. proteins are great 
I'm not going to give you caloric things. You can go to a dietitian who like takes your blood work and can like do that because mm-hmm. I like, that's not my scope of practice. My scope of practice is eat vegetables. Those are great for you. Vegetables are the most underrated thing on the planet and like drink water. Every time you say scope of practice, my brain is like, whoa, oh my God, Calvin, are you my professor? That's I like trust you more. Something about that phrase. Just like, really? <laughs> I'll take it. I'm I'll like, feel doctor. Smart. Some people be thinking that I'm like, you have the same certifications I do, and I know nothing. I know for a fact you know nothing too. Well, I do, am, have no certifications, but I will say that, like, as a person with an eating disorder who has also recovered from that eating disorder, um, I have spent, a, you know, probably a degrees amount of time reading research yeah. about and articles and think pieces but mostly like straight up primary source research um about nutrition because i have like a hyper fixation on the way that the field is changing its understanding of the body in the past like 10 years and so it is frustrating for me because i don't think i could work with a professional i think most of the time my first impression of that professional would be i think i might know more up-to-date research than you do and then i could never like you could not provide any benefit of me because i'm just going to be thinking you're stupid the whole time yeah i i really tried to focus more on like i can get like let me give you movements that you can do at home let me like figure out like like let's learn how to do like a deadlift properly so that's something you can do on your own i always tried to make it where it's like i'm gonna give you stuff but this is all stuff that like in theory you are able to do on your own when i'm not here like i never ever wanted to like overstep a boundary yeah because it was just like i very much like i am just your trainer i'm just giving you moves and i know that like and i've and i have a trainer that that i really really enjoy um and i have and so i i do understand that like you know there are some people who can go like more in depth or whatever and i have some of my friends who are still trainers can go more in depth with their clients but i just always really was i kept a firm boundary on that and it did i think it helped and it also like one of my old clients gave me a mug that said you're doing great sweetie because that was just like the vibe i gave was just that you trying is the best and i was like i guess that is that was me as a trainer i was like if you're just here you're showing up you're doing enough for me okay If you're listening at home, I have a Sister Wives trigger warning for you. I love the show Sister Wives. Everybody knows I love the show Sister Wives. I'm obsessed. One of my favorite arcs of Sister Wives is in the first season at some point, so it's like four middle-aged women, and um, one of them is like, let's all go to a personal trainer, and they all go to a gym, and they get hooked up with this personal trainer who's like awful, and he's like, uh, just all like calories in, calories out. Um, and it's like so obnoxious and it's really body shaming and all the women have a lot of internalized fat phobia and they're all heaping it onto each other. And, um, Janelle gets the brunt of it because she is the most, um, the, the largest body on the show. And what happens is that all of them end up falling off. And then there are more episodes in the future where Janelle ends up keeping working out for a while, but she has a fraught relationship with working out and she'll plateau in her progress and she's only measuring the progress with the scale she ends up getting a different personal trainer and i want to say this is like season two or three where we check back in with janelle and her new personal trainer and she's like i'm not losing weight at all and it's really frustrating to me and her personal trainer makes her hike up a mountain and and use a sledgehammer to destroy her scale and he says do you know why you need to destroy that scale because you just hiked up a mountain when you came to me could you hike up a mountain and she was like, no. And he's like, and you just picked up a heavy ass hammer and destroyed a scale with the force of your arms. Could you do that when you came to me? And she's like, no. And he was like, so 
your life has completely changed. You're extremely mobile. You live an active lifestyle with your kids and you can do all this stuff that brings you joy and you're not limited by your body's mobility anymore. Why the fuck would this number on the scale matter? And I'm sitting there, and literally like watching Sister Wives on my phone, like just crying. I got cheery eyed just <laughs> listening to that story. And you have to remember, this was in like 2007 or something. Like no one was saying that in 2007. That was 2007 was Weight Watchers, Slim Fast Shakes. I remember drinking a Slim Fast Shake with my friend's mom. Oh, I wanted to like shakes nine. when I was a kid. Yeah, I, I, when I, I, in 2007, I was watching Biggest Loser, which, uh, one of the worst shows ever created. Um, oh my God. That show has done, I, I talk to my therapist weekly about the way that that show will have forever implications on me. But I used to like, around that time, I was probably wanting to drink the Slim Fast Shakes. I was like, oh, I cannot wait to get on Biggest Loser so I can lose weight. What the fuck? To get on Biggest yeah, Loser? Yeah, I was like, I cannot wait to get on Biggest Loser. And I was like, that baby, that bro, come on. But that's my entire thing we would do we had a machine that like would do scales and stuff and I, at the start of all consultations i would be like i personally don't weigh myself when i go to the doctor i say turn around don't tell me the number because i will go crazy um because i also have disordered eating i've never been diagnosed with eating disorder so i but i we've got the behaviors of it let's put mm -hmm. it like that and she and so i've told them i'm like we don't even have to do this the entire time you work with me we do not have to touch a scale you don't have to look at any numbers and some of them were like great i love that because and i would always emphasize because like if you can do stuff that you couldn't do before great that's like the whole point is for you to feel strong and for you to feel good about yourself nothing else matters because your body's gonna look the way it's gonna look yeah and like you're and i i very much believe like like you like you can be healthy in all body types yeah like there you can be healthy in every size it's because everybody is different and every body is different so and also yes that's a belief and i believe it too but at the same time that's also just the true fact that the research shows you're us. right like it's not a belief it's a fact <laughs> it's, yes it's not like i'm a christian you know it's yeah. like it's like actually just sort of like reading and paying attention to empirical data you can be healthy in any body type and yeah. you can be dramatically unhealthy in, in smaller any bodies body type, and yeah. that's more common than you realize no literally you can be so unhealthy you can have such similar heart problems if you are going on my 600 pound life or if you are literally dying because you're not eating enough fun fact like your body would is not love going to. a show called my teeny tiny skinny life no i'm just kidding <laughs> my teeny tiny skinny life oh my gosh where i still have heart problems what i thought i wasn't going to get them anymore no because it's healthy at any it's whatever body you were meant to have is the body you're going to be healthiest in yeah Ugh. anyway so yeah that just drives me crazy that was my one update Learn. um and then the Nikki and oh, we yeah. need to talk about the Nikki and Megan beef. We both wrote it as our catch up because it's that important. I, okay. Let me give a quick summary to catch everybody up. Yes. Which is that Megan the Stallion released an incredible song, Hiss. Perfect single, mm -hmm. perfect production. The visuals, my God. They were so current and cool the video's so fucking cool and um it's got a number of remarkably clever bars one of which is these hoes ain't mad at megan these hoes mad at megan's law uh, megan's law for those of you who don't know is a um law pertaining to people who are registered sex offenders having to notify other people when they move um now Lots of rappers are registered sex offenders. Eh, Boohoo. Um, so this bar, originally there were a few different men that people thought, like who, male rappers who people thought it might be about. But then Nicki Minaj, whose husband, um, 
is also a registered sex offender and who I believe had like when he moved at some point got in trouble due to Megan's law. She started tweeting up a storm and got on Instagram live and basically claimed that bar for herself <laughs> and went crazy on Instagram live, which everyone was saying she was cracked out of her mind. I don't think that's true at all. I think that's literally probably what it looks like to write a rap song and people just like don't want to see what that process is the same way that people don't want to see what it looks like for a comedian to write a joke. It's embarrassing. It, it starts embarrassing. out really not funny and it only gets funny very slowly. Like so if you true. were there watching me and my comedian friends in a coffee shop but bouncing material off of each other it's like it's bad it's all half-baked okay but so anyway so she's on instagram live she's tweeting up a storm 48 hours later releases the response song which is bigfoot yeah and it is <laughs> bigfoot it's about what I would expect from Nicki Minaj if she only had 48 hours like you can put a genius in a room and if they only have 48 hours what you're gonna get is yeah okay that's fine that's a song Mm. Yeah. And she she says Megan like 15 million times in the song, which is so funny because Hiss didn't name her once. Okay. Anyway. Hiss didn't name anybody. Yeah. It was in. And then she went on Breakfast Club and they were like, so who's it about? And she was like, a hit dog gonna holler. <laughs> I love Megan. And it is a, fantastic. she's amazing. I've, I've, I've been a stand of hers and I like identify as a barb. I didn't know she married a sex offender, so that was a fun thing to mm. to be awoken to. And this her week. brother, yeah, I which you about don't that. pick yeah. your brothers, but yeah. you do pick your husbands. You very much pick your husbands. That one, and so I didn't know that, and so I was like, "Why is Unless she getting so upset?" And I I knew Megan's law, but I forgot about it. But then I was like, "Why is she singing about her own law?" And, I was, and then I googled it. And I was like, "Oh, duh! Oh my gosh! Wow, that is so clever, Megan. Good for you! Like, a, so good." A bar that you have to Google. <laughs> Like the caliber, <laughs> truly, and she, I, it's just such a better song. The Bigfoot song has like this. It is a two minute. It's either a minute or two minutes. Like it's it's a long spoken word piece mm -hmm. that Nikki does. And for those Nikki fans out there, it's not the fun one like she does in Anaconda, where she talks about being a fat bitch in the in the motherfucking club. It is. Her literally telling Megan that like you're awful. I have fans that are going to destroy you, and she says it like she's like. It, it, she says it like she she's curses insane. her firstborn child. And the weirdest part is, is that I f forgot about that part because I did not listen. I listened to um, a little bit of Bigfoot. And as soon as I realized it was the same stuff she had been tweeting, I was like, oh, okay. And I looked up the rap genius because I was like, well, I don't want to give her the streams. Oh, I listened to all of it just to like see. And it was, I li I've already listened to his multiple times. I love yeah. like. Well, I did penance. I listened to his, I had his on loop five times muted okay. on my computer just to make sure that it made up for the accidental Bigfoot stream. Good. Not, not, not that I'm like engaging in the stand war. <laughs> if, if you're a barb, everything I said was a joke. No, literally. <laughs> like don't, true. don't literally dox me. Well, but okay. So yeah, yeah. So then to catch the listeners up yes. some more. Some people were, everyone was just kind of making fun of Nikki. Like, um, Megan won the culture war in this specific instance, sure. and everyone online was making fun of Nixie, Nikki and some barbs, which is what Nikki's fandom is called, doxed some of the people making t viral TikToks and tweets, um, making fun of Nikki. And so now the running joke is like, I would say something, but I like actually can't because I don't want to get doxed. <laughs> Literally, it's like, Barb's, what are you? And she said it in her spoken word piece at the end of the song that like, 
people are going to do are going to do stuff but and i and i i you know i'm i'm not for stan culture but i'll say like i stand celebrities like i did i like you know some of Nikki's songs I'd be bopping to. I've been a listener since I was like 13, but then it's like, oh, yeah. well, I can't, I'm not going to be like, I stand. I'm like, I'm in love with someone who did choose to marry a sex offender and took, you know, very broad statements as direct allegations. Why would you take them as direct allegations if that wasn't, you know? Everyone was like, oh, she's ruining her legacy. She's ruining her legacy. It's like, no, she's not. She's Nicki Minaj. She's not ruining her legacy. She's being a little stupid. Like, Kanye has ruined his legacy. He has, yes. But like, no, just writing one song that's kind of a flop. Like, it's still a clever song. It's just like, in this particular matchup, it is the clear loser. I hope she just gets off of the Instagram lives because if those keep happening and she just, I, I never thought of it as the process though, because it did see like she was going a little like what's, what's happening, but you're right. The process behind art is not something most people want to see. If I had to guess what it looks like to write an amazing rap song, you're probably in the studio repeating the same lines over and over again to get into the flow and be like, okay, here's what comes next or here's what comes before. Like, I think that's what it sounds because everyone was like, she just kept repeating the one line. It's like, yeah, because that's the line she had so far. And she was trying to write the rest of the verse. Like, what did you expect it to sound like? Now, is it weird to go live as you're writing a diss track response? Would it have been been funnier and kind of cooler to just release that song 48 hours later yes but at the same time i think part of the reason bigfoot got so many listens was because everyone had seen her go crazy go quote unquote crazy on lives and on yeah. twitter and so they were like whoa i'll tune in i'll grab the popcorn damn you're right i wonder which one it is like i it, it could have also been a like a PR, like, hey, like, let's see if we can do this because it maybe helped Bigfoot get all those streams. I didn't 100%. listen to the, I'm not a big Instagram live person in general because I don't Oh, no, get, I would never watch them like, live. I only I, watched the TikToks later, afterwards. They showed me the highlights. Exactly. That's how I would say. So that's the only way I knew what happened on the live. But I, that really could be like the artist process because, yeah, like most songwriters talk, like, I don't feel like very many songwriters are like, this song just came together so easily. Yeah. Even SZA will say that, like, some of her most popular songs are apparently songs she's just been kind of like, I'll make this song as, like, a break from another one. But mm -hmm. what happened to make you have a break on that song? Because yeah. something weird was going on. And I have some jokes that I've worked so hard into and that I love so much that the audience just doesn't laugh quite as much as is, like, this stupid joke I came up with, like, happenstance. It's like, really, you guys? I put time and work and dedication into this one to really get a good audience reaction. And this piece of shit thing that y'all just happened <laughs> to listen to one day is the killer. Yeah, I do but hate that. It's art. No, yeah. I just feel like if I was going to go live and try to write a rap, it would probably, that would also be, it would sound shittier for sure. I'm not comparing myself to Nicki Minaj. I'm just saying that's the process I would assume it would be. No, you're it's right. It's like yeah. repeating the line that you have to yourself over and over again. And I mean, that's what I do. I mean, that's what we do as comedians with jokes. I mean, I'll repeat a premise a million times trying a different punch to get it, but I, or I'll try a punch with like different, you know, I mean, that's like kind mm -hmm. of the whole, our whole gist. If we were to go on TikTok live and do our joke writing process, not cute. <laughs> not cute, not cute. At all. I'd be just like screen. I'd be showing my phone and it'd be like, this isn't good. You guys, like, it's just a bunch of bullet points that make no sense. And they're all gay. <laughs> like what's going on? It just, like, my process is, it works for me, but it doesn't make it a streamlined amazing thing i'd want to show anybody yeah certainly Ooh, absolutely not um okay something that i wanted to talk about something that i've been thinking about a lot 
is like rich people places. So for my birthday, I went, wait, have I already talked about this on the podcast? I'll kill myself if I have about rich people lighting and mirrors and how you look hotter. Thank God. It's because I'm working That's on a true, joke though. about this and I've repeated the concept so many times that now I feel like I've said it to everybody in the world. Okay. Uh, for my birthday, my boyfriend took me to a nice hotel, took me to a nice restaurant, right? And one thing that I always think about when we're at nice places is like the mirrors are always skinny mirrors. You know how some mirrors are like tilted a little bit in so your skinny mirror skinnier than normal and the lighting is always really good and you end up just like every time you catch a glimpse of yourself in a mirror you look hotter than you normally would yeah and i started thinking like i feel like if i had this all the time i would be more successful one thousand right because imagine you like wake up if in a in a rich person hotel room on a work trip and you ima immediately see yourself in a skinny mirror you like take a shower you see yourself naked in a skinny mirror you see your face in perfect lighting your skin looks amazing you go into the boardroom of course i'm gonna advocate for myself of course i'm gonna negotiate harder and like it makes me so pissed off because i feel like uh, like Rich people must genuinely believe that they're so hot all the time. And then when they go to Walmart and they catch themselves in like the window to the lens crafters, you know, just like a yeah. sidelong glance and they're like, oh God, I look horrible here. They're probably like, it's because Walmart sucks. Whereas for me personally, I live my life in those places. For yeah. me, how I look is how I look in the Target bathroom. And then when I go to like a rich person restaurant and I look and I see this like extremely hot version of myself, I'm like, remember Hannah, it's just an illusion. You know, you know who you are. You know where you come from. And yeah, I think I advocate for myself less. I think I... Yeah. I mean, that. I very much get what you... Because I will be... Especially the nice hotel, it, it, the, specifically the bathroom. Like, I, I can pinpoint yes. exact moments where I've been like, damn. And then I used to... My first job was in an Old Navy, and I would go in, like, the dressing room. And if you look at your face in an Old Navy dressing room, you will find so many flaws you didn't know you had. I'll be like, oh, I didn't know my pores were countries. I, yeah. thought, I thought I just had a normal face. Yeah. And it's, like, demeaning it's literally it's demoralizing to just be like am i this ugly all the time but maybe that's why rich people live in the delulu they have really nice mirrors and really nice lighting a hundred percent that is such an interesting theory because i would also if i woke up feeling more confident no shit i'm gonna try a little bit harder i'm more confident than i was earlier absolutely i do better comedy when I am more confident yeah. and I just keep thinking about how like every time I travel for comedy, I book these shitty hotels and like, I bet I would have a better set if I was coming from like a great fucking hotel. And I was like, God, I look so good these days. That is true. But then it's like, you have to pay for them. Because nice if hotel. I was in rich places consistently, it wouldn't be like, Oh, that's an illusion. Oh, I look so hot in this mirror. It would start to be like, I'm so hot. Yeah. I am a hot person moving throughout the world. Yeah. Or you could also, I mean, something that's worked for me is I've been telling myself I'm hot more often and now I just like kind of believe it. Like we still are working very much on like self-esteem and stuff, but now I'm like, mm -hmm. wait, I'm hot. Wait, I'm kind of hot. If I just, I said it enough and now I kind of believe it. So when, now when I see like a mirror that makes me look good, I'm like, this mirror is telling me what I look like. I think that's a good strategy. Me personally, I don't trust anything that I say, <laughs> but one thing that I, okay, this is what I wanted to say. When I was thinking about how rich people must think they're so hot yes. all the time. No wonder 
all these rich white ladies think everyone wants to sex traffic them all the time. You're right, because they think they are the bee's knees. Every fucking rich white lady is like, someone left a tissue on my car to market for sex trafficking. And I'm like, no one wants a 40-year-old white woman in the harem. That's not profitable for any sex traffickers. No one wants to ad like abduct the high-profile SUV owner, okay? Sex trafficking will always only happen to people who are already at the margins of societies. It's definitely happening, but it's not a high-profile abduction like you think is going happen to your fucking college daughter or something but it's like if i thought that i i'm like looking in a fucking marriott mirror and i'm like yeah they probably do want to abduct me like i am so kidnapped 100 percent like yeah if i saw me walking down the street i'd say snatch that bitch 1000 percent i <laughs> that is so true i yeah i realized i reached like a size when i was like oh you won't get kidnapped anymore um because my mom would tell me as a kid I would get kidnapped if I didn't do things. My mom just loved to raise the stakes. That was like her thing. So funny. And I tell her about it. And she's like, did you die from any of these things? But she would tell me I would die if I did these things. Um, I remember my mom and dad specifically, and this is a major core memory, uh, eating disorder memory for me. But like um, my mom was talking about how like uh, I can, I was going to take this like art class at a place that was like pretty close by. And she was like, well, she can't walk there. Because my dad was like, oh, that's great. She can walk there. And my mom was like, she can't walk there like it's nighttime she's not gonna walk along a major street at nighttime and my dad was like i think she'll be fine i think it would be good for her to get some extra steps in <laughs> he was so not worried about me getting kidnapped and i was like this is a moment <laughs> that damn that that just took a turn it's like she's not gonna get kidnapped yeah point like no you decided to end a really mean tag you added a tag to that sentence damn yeah no i definitely have those like those core memory i mean my mom i because I, when I was in Taekwondo as a kid, it was really close to our house, so I could walk. But my mom would, like, make me text or call her when I was there. And then, like, looking back, I was like, well, I don't think anyone would want to kidnap a kid in a Taekwondo thing. But that was also, like, as I was getting bigger, I did, like, reach a size where I was in middle school. And I was like, I'm taller than all of you. I'm t I'm tall. I was, like, a 5'7", 6th grader. Like, I was a tall individual, and I'm tall now. So I've always been kind of – I and, you know, also being a guy, I, I I was like, oh, I think I'm past – I've aged past the kidnapping, and I think those women need to realize it too. Yeah. If you're going to get kidnapped, it has nothing to do with your looks. It has to do with the money you might have. A hundred percent. Um, And it's nothing more, babes. Okay, so before we get into questions, questions, I have some shows coming up. Um, I'll be in LA February 13th at Dynasty Typewriter. I'll be in Santa Fe February 14th. Um, for a special Valentine's Day show called Love Sucks, I will be in Albuquerque February 15th. That's a free show at a hotel. You should absolutely come to that. I'll be in Portland March 21st and Seattle April 13th. The Portland show, I think I've only said it on the podcast. I haven't like posted about it or, or sent a text about it or anything. And a few people have already bought tickets. So I like to think that they're Portland podcast listeners. Thank you guys for buying tickets. It's kind of a ways away, so I probably won't start really pushing it um until into february but if you already bought tickets you're a real one and i will fucking see you there that one's gonna be so so fun that's badass i love that um i my upcoming shows february 6th in fort collins i'm at the r bar and lounge fun fact it's the only gay bar in fort collins so like go support that um february 9th i'm at greg's tap room in denver february 29th i'm in pete satire lounge also in denver um 
And typically I also, because I'm on the newer side of comedy, I get last minute stuff all the time. So come to a last minute thing. Maybe you might yeah. just see me there. Follow Calvin on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram. That's the best way to keep up with us. This podcast is sponsored by the Patreon. Patrons have first priority to get their questions answered. And they also receive a bonus episode every month. And it's only $3. If you want to ask a question to get answered in a future episode, you can find the link to that form in the podcast description or in my or Hannah's link tree or in, on any of our social media platforms. Hell yeah. Alrighty, first question. I moved to a new city slash country for work about four months ago. For the first two and a bit months, I had a long distance situationship, which has since ended during a visit for a variety of messy reasons, leaving me pretty heartbroken. I've since spent a lot of time reflecting and rebuilding my mental health, though I still get waves of melancholy from missing them. Because I'd spent so much time working and talking to this person, I had neglected meeting new people. So my question is, given a heartbreak, when is a good time to try and meet new people? And what are some spaces I could do that? 27 male, and I haven't really joined new friend groups since my longtime high school family. Signed, just another Bay Area engineered. Engineered. Look at you, a little clever wordplay so dude. Cute. Oh my gosh. This is... um. This is tricky because usually when you move to a new place, a wonderful alchemy happens where you get to be in your like freshly moved state. And it, it's such a special time and you can't, it's really hard to recreate it later on down the line, but you just, you say yes to everything. You meet a bunch of new people. And unfortunately you don't have those long-term intimate connections, but you have exciting and new experiences and it's appropriate for the phase that you're in. And there's just a season of life for like six months when you're in a new place. And so Whatever you can do to bring back, just like pretend like you just fucking moved. And it's a little harder because you've been in your space for several months and you've been in your job for several months. But I need you to get back into that mode of I am actively making a connection. I'm telling everybody that I'm new in town. That's the best thing you can do is just every fucking conversation. I'm new to the area. People will randomly start giving you tips of places to go, people to meet. And it's such a... It's such a special time to have that clean slate. Yeah. But. I, I I mean, you're also not like that long. I mean, four months is still a very short amount of time. No one, you don't tell someone you moved four months ago and then in your thought, they're like, oh, they've been here for a long time. Like that's yeah. still very, like I feel, you know, it, in some people it takes a really long time before they even get comfortable in that kind of space. So it's also like, don't like think you're you're going too slow i mean obviously you had other things going on and i agree with hannah like make it seem like you just moved last week with like the the heartbreak you went through like strangers can think you moved last week like that mindset of like i am brand spanking new i think mm -hmm. will will help you like get that motivation but also just like four months is not a lot of time six months isn't a lot of time a year for some people isn't a lot of time like you still have so much more time to, to get to know people so there's no rush it, it takes time to to make those connections because you're right the first connections that you meet with people whenever you start something new the likelihood that they stick are very low very yeah. low but oh, that is the heartbreak does suck though it's hard just to like not want to be sad from that that like heartbreak is just a shitty feeling so you know it's a bummer i'm sorry you're going through it engineered when you're on a completely clean slate, 
Um, clubs, we talk about every time. Mm -hmm. Get a hobby, join a club, whatever. You can also go into a coffee shop every day. Go into the same coffee shop every day on your like third time going there or basically the first time that they recognize you. Mention, hey, by the way, I just moved here. Do you guys have any sort of like events that might be good to meet new people. And chances are, maybe they don't, but chances are the barista is looking for friends or knows another person who's new in town or is like, hey, come to this you know, concert that I'm going to that's very loose and you can meet new people. Go to a different bar in your neighborhood every night. Yep. Have no more than one drink. Don't be immediately getting drunk at bars every night, but go to a, a pub in your neighborhood every night. Go to it at the same time every night mm -hmm. and then... Ask the bartender, hey, I'm super new here. Do you guys have any events that might, like, is your trivia night? Is there ever a team that just, like, forms on the spot? Or do you have any other uh, events where people, like, connect and meet for the first time? Yeah. Because bartenders and baristas are pretty good at acting as connectors already because it's within the job. And they like doing it if you're a chill, cool person. I mean, I've been a front-facing – I was a bud tender, so not quite the same thing. I mean, in Colorado, basically <laughs> the same thing. And I would have people, like, tell me that they were new in, like, any good restaurants. I'm like, try these restaurants. Like, alone, it mm -hmm. just – like it's it's worth it to try those new things. Trivia nights can be so much. If you're an engine nerd, you're gonna be good at trivia, dude. Sorry, I can already guess you're probably gonna be banging at it. People will think that's cool. If you're queer and love drag race, there are probably a bunch of drag like drag race bars that do drag race watch parties. I've met cute boys there that I'm like, I would totally talk to you again. If you're straight and you go to a drag night, you will find a girlfriend. I promise you. Uh, yeah, you will. Yeah, you will. <laughs> Anyone giving off a little bit, I'm into girls, but am a guy energy all of the straight girls who love drag race will be all over you and they are plentiful and they mm -hmm. are starved and it, they're more fun than straight bars. just kidding i won't bash on straight bars i haven't been to enough of them to bash on them but you know i i you know that's a that's like a definitely a good option if you're straight into football find the almost every city has like bars for different teams that's scary that's not for me but he might be yeah. that might that would never be me that i'm the drag race one I but feel like, like if you that like it, guy if he was that that guy he wouldn't be listening to my podcast actually you're so right actually you're straight so never mind i don't think i have any football <laughs> listener if you're yeah. a listener and you're into football um and you have had an experience making football friends right into the podcast i'd love to hear from you i i just kind of doubt that you're out there yeah it, it's hard yeah with listening i'm like talking to my, i'm like if you would listen to football like i'm listening to my voice talking like you're, you don't listen to football or listen you don't watch football um but that's like i've know people who have met stuff like like finding like a passion that you can bring to a social place whether totally. that's passion watching something i mean Hell, there's like there's one gay bar in Denver that does Showtime or Show Tunes nights, and everybody's just singing Cute. along. It's adorable, and it's that's every that's what everybody does. And I know for a fact, if I wasn't depressed that night that I went, I probably would have been singing along, and someone would have been like, "Oh my gosh, you love this song too! Great, great, great!" And it's like, it, and sometimes those super e those super superficial first time connections are just a way to help break the ground for yeah. those more long term connections to come in. Because like like we've mentioned this on the pod before that. You know, everybody like friendships come and go for reasons. And sometimes friendships are just meant to be shorter, but they're meant to make you more comfortable in that space. And that's yeah. super important. Yeah. And also, like, just anywhere you go, just start going places the same time every week or the same time every day. Mm -hmm. 
because you want to find whose routines you like overlap with. Like I'm not a musician, but in high school, me and my friend started studying for our APs together at a coffee shop. And that's where I got my first, that's where on my first date was a, a dude who was always at the music open mic that was at the same time. And so we just like saw each other based on yeah. that. That's a great way to get to, I mean, literally repetition and mm -hmm. routine is just truly a chef's kiss for making 100%. friends in a new space. Look at it as like a season of life where you might meet a lot of people who are not true friend material, but the goal is that you're going to have a lot of novelty in your life and you're going to say yes to everything. And that's just what's fun about this season of life. And don't put too much pressure on yourself to like actually find friends that are Cause like what's fun about the friends that I have now, it took me a really long time to find those qualities. It was like three phases into living in Denver before I really found that. And each phase is like six months long. So just realize that the process is the process and you can't speed run it and just find what you like about phase one, which is the novelty and the excitement of saying yes to everything and lean into that as opposed to the discomfort of like, like I don't have true intimate close friends here. And also it kind of like on the timing, like, like it's okay. Like your timing is good. You're also timing for like getting over the heartbreak is going to be the timing. Like heartbreak sucks. It happens to 95% of the world and the 5% it doesn't happen to are really rude when it comes to talking to them about dating because they don't get you. So, you know, you're, you're joining the majority. If this is your first heartbreak, if it's not welcome back and like, it's, it's just a part of it. So that also might take time and there's no reason to rush that. Cause like the feel like, you know, it's try not to let it like overtake you, but like, it's okay to be a little sad. It's okay to get over that. And it's okay to have like the process, but that's also so much easier said than done. Oh, and also if you really want to find your friends in your community in a new city, don't date any of them. Only date off of apps for this season because dating them during the process of trying to find your footing will make those friendships worse and not as strong and they will put them at risk. And that also means not sometimes if you, you know, are in a co-ed friend group and you're being really open about the fact that you're single, it will be taken as like he's trying to date. Or if you're like really open about the fact that you like are just getting over someone again, that could send the message that you're really trying to date. So I would just like not even mention that and just really get on a great platonic level with all of those people and then just date through apps yeah don't shit where you eat for a little bit that is a-okay you can you shit on the apps and you eat with your friends that is a 100%. good for right now that is great for some people that's how they live their life that's wait me. don't shit where you eat the fucking is the shit and the eating is the like work or friendship i thought the I just made that up. Fucking yeah. is the eat, and then the shit is like the friendships and the work. Like, don't shit where you eat. Oh, well, that's kind of mind blowing. <laughs> I just, I, because I'm like, friendships <laughs> like, are better. So like, I'm just like, you eat that. Don't shit memes where you eat pussy is what I'm thinking. <laughs> that's funny. I mean, both work though, don't they? No, but no, you're so right. It's like, don't shit, don't like have your romantic, messy entanglements where you eat, i.e. the joy and benefits of friendship. I am just now realizing this. I, I'm so stupid. No, I kind of always thought it was, I, I just kind of made what up, what I set up, that's just how I've always felt about it up on the spot, but like the, the wording of it. 
I'm just really wise. <laughs> I like your way better. I'm just so wise. Okay. Thank you so much for writing in and good luck to you. I think this will be a special season of life for you. I keep saying that and I want to shoot myself. But engineered embrace <laughs> season the season. Of life. What? It's a season okay. it is. Um, next question. Do I go to the party? A girl I went to uni with, we graduated last year, has flaked last minute on everything I've invited her to since with her reasons being period cramps. Family stuff are just not showing up. She only seems to attend things that are her plans but she's enthusiastic and over the top about how much she wants to attend parties or gatherings that other people organize, including mine. Her birthday party is this weekend and I haven't seen her since graduation where she organized an outing for all of our friends. Do you think I should go or cut my losses with a flaky friend? Signed, bored, but disrespected. I think that the concept of disrespect is overplayed and unhelpful in my life particularly because I have a friend who is flaky like realistically when we make plans this person will follow through on like maybe half of them and this person is not great at responding they sometimes respond if they're already on their phone but if they're not on their if i don't get a response within like a couple minutes i know i'm probably never getting a response and the like one of the first few times that i started realizing this about this person it like really bothered me because it made me feel so rejected and so disrespected and so unimportant and so uncool and then i just had an epiphany that like this is who this person is and i'm completely comfortable with shaping my life around the expectation of who that person is and i no longer make plans with that person that require them to follow through okay So a one-on-one plan where my day is hinging on them not flaking will never happen. And I love the friendship that I have with this person because flakes are also more fun. Let's be completely honest. I would rather go out drinking with a flake any night of the week than with my type A follow-through friend. My type A follow-through friend is the person that I'm going to go cry to if I go through a breakup. Not the flake. Certainly not. Oh, not the flake. But the flake is 100% getting invited to every party I ever throw. And yeah. I think that the concept of like being frustrated over disrespect, it's like you already know who this person is and you're expecting something different. So the question, do you go to the party? Does the party sound fun? This is not a situation yep. if if your friend is a flake and your friend is having a birthday party and you're like, I don't want to not go because I don't want to be someone who flakes out on someone else's birthday party because I feel like it's important to just go to the birthday party. No, 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 no. The covenant of your friendship is that there is no pressure to follow through. Yes. The covenant of your friendship is that this is a flaky friendship. So you go to the party if the party sounds fucking fun. You know exactly what the likelihood is. Like they're not going to usher you around. They're not going to introduce you to the people. They are going to be there and having fun and you can bask in that energy if you want but for me quite personally if this friend that i'm thinking of invites me to a party i'm gonna be there because it's usually gonna be a good time no 100 this flaky friend does kind of sound like they'd be a good time but yeah we talked about this we've talked about this before but i saw like a because t- my phone was listening to me i saw a tiktok about it's called like the fatal friend th- or fatal flaw friend theory mm-hmm. and what it is is it's like everybody has a fatal flaw human beings aren't perfect we all have a fatal flaw and being friends with someone and being close to somebody is being able to see that flaw recognize it 
and be like, I can live with it. So if you know this friend is flaky, we we had someone, I think a week or two ago where they were talking about how they like have a friend who's like a known forgetter. And I'm like, well, that's their fatal flaw. So don't do things that you know that they're going to forget because that's setting them up for failure and setting you up to be disappointed. So it might just be that you reflect on this friend. And you're like, this might just be your flaky friend. That's their fatal flaw. They're flaky. And it's something to accept. But if it's also something that just truly makes you feel disrespected, your feelings are valid. But it, I do think, is it being disrespected? Is it you or is it this friend's fatal flaw and it's something you might have to choose to accept? That's something you're going to have to decide for yourself. But yeah. if you do decide to go through with it, because it just does sound like it'll be fun, maybe that's just a friend that you have. I have some friends from college. I'm like, I know I'm not talking about nothing serious. So we talk about something serious, whatever. But like, I look, we're fun. We're going to have a fun time. That's great. We don't expect anything else from each other. And it's, it's rad. But I know that. And so you kind of have to recognize that that just might be that friend's fatal flaw. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like that is going to be a consistent and exact. And the wonderful, I, I would say that like for me, I'm not that way. I'm a really, I'm a follow through steady. Same. Um, like I just really love showing up for people and my consistently see, I think those are my best qualities. But it's fun to have one random friendship in my life where I don't feel the need to show up for them at all. I could flake on any plans I had with them and they wouldn't care because they flake on plans they have with me. Who gives a fuck? Like, it is totally fine to just take someone for who they are. And I think that it is actually, like, it's worse to be the kind of person who can't take someone for who they are yeah. than to be the kind of person who's flaky. Flaky is not a moral quality. If you're upfront about it, I mean, it does sound like this person is, tr is trying to pretend that they're not a flaky person and that they won't come to terms with it whatever you know this about this so you're not getting duped anymore so you can't put it on them anymore if you are getting duped my fatal flaw i'm late to everything and i try not to be my my best friends most of their fatal flaws are being late to stuff one time we were an hour and a half late for something we both were like we just kind of i was pissed at her but then i was like well shit i'm an hour and a half late now too damn like it's our fatal flaw it's like you if, if it's something that consistently always irritates you it might not be something you're looking for in a friend like flakiness but you, I mean, it also just try not like, it's also hard to not take things personally. Cause it's like, you think they have your mindset and they don't like, they just don't view the world in the same way you do. I, with my boyfriend, uh, every night that we spend together, usually Saturday nights after my comedy show, after my second comedy show, we meet up at my house because I have a cat. So it's always my house. And he always leaves when I say I'm headed home. That's when he packs his bags and then gets in the car. And that always frustrates me so much because it's like, I told him I would be home at 1030. And I said, I'm headed home at 1015. And he started getting ready at 1015, which means he's not there till 1045, which means from 1030 to 1045, I'm washing my face and I'm getting in my sweats. And my boyfriend never gets to see me look fucking cute from my comedy show. And it frustrates me so much. And you know what I fucking started doing? What? He lives his life in a very specific way. So as soon as I get off stage, I say, I'm headed home. I stay at the comedy show for like 15 to 24 mi more minutes and we arrive at the same time. It's perfect. I solved that problem and it wasn't a moral failing on him. It's that for whatever reason, I tried a few different times and he is not going to leave earlier. He's not going to start packing up earlier than when I text him that I am headed home. So I just lie about when I'm headed home and nobody cares. It's, it's truly not that deep. And I think that like us... People who are more type A, we invent this concept of disrespect and it's, and it's so easy. So do <laughs> we 
so do. It is tied up in the in the possibility of rejection and I'm not important. And we create this whole fucking story and like, truly, it's so not that deep. There are lower beings on this earth who cannot be relied upon and they cannot be punctual. And that is okay. Do I judge the hell out of them secretly? Yes. But at the end of the day, I know that's not a moral issue. And to work with them, it is as simple as sending the text 15 minutes earlier and lying. So I have something, it's almost creepy how similar this is. I, my best friend in high school, we're still friends to this day, sup bitch, you're not listening to this podcast, whatever. Um, like, <laughs> fuck you. No, it's just kidding. No, but we, him and I, like, we were so fucking close. Like, we would do everything together. And I always had to drive to pick him up because I had the car and he didn't. And we would do this show where we were always so late. And it was because I would leave, because I don't, I like torture. I would leave I would wait until I was leaving on time. I would never leave early. I would leave on time. And then I would go pick him up and I knew I'd have to wait 10 minutes at his place so it would make us 10 minutes late, like no matter what. And then I was getting off his because I'm like, I'm the one leaving on time. What the fuck? So now, so I picked up on the thing of why don't I just text him five minutes before I get there? Hey, I'm here. He would get yes. down at the same time I waited with less stress. And it's yeah. like, I know your fatal flaws. You're a little behind too. I can't say I'm not. I'm the one who can't leave earlier. I'm the one who has to leave directly on time because it's not like it's it. So it, it just worked. And then we were on time more frequently. We would just like, it would work out. I got less upset. He wouldn't come into me just like being upset with him. And then it would just like make the mood weird. Like I was able to get, I was able to pull the stick out of my ass a little bit and be like, why don't I change up this little thing? And it worked out phenomenally. So, so, you know, bored, try changing it up just a little bit and you'd be surprised how much less disrespected you will feel. The concept of disrespect is not real. The concept of disrespect is an internal, I can't figure out what's going on here the the real question is do i want this or do i not want do i want to go to the party does the party sound fun i know exactly what to expect from this party stop thinking that your friend will be anything other than who she wants and if you're asking yourself am i being disrespected you have already gone awry it, it, you have already made the issue too deep yeah it's hard because it's like yeah your feelings are valid because like I, i've had that feeling before but it's like it's valid, but sometimes it's a little loony valid. Like I have OCD. <laughs> like it's it's valid, valid, but in a very sort of like your crazy way. <laughs> no, literally, but like that's that's what it is. So like I have OCD, and so some of my obsessions I'll like put onto my roommate, and then I'm like, why can't you just figure it out? And it's like, wait, Calvin, it's valid that I have these feelings. I'm not saying that my like I get where I'm coming from, but these are a little loony. They're they're valid, but they're loony. So. Don't put it on them like it's on. And it's just like something that like I've yeah. had to work so like, I mean, there's still probably obsessions that my roommate was probably like, no, <laughs> you put them on me too. And it's like, sorry, but like it's every once in a while I just click on him like, wait, she's not, she's not just like, they're not disrespecting me. He's not disrespecting me by being late. He just like, that's just how like it's repetitive behavior. And it's like, it's just sometimes it's how it is. It's not always that deep. Your feelings are valid, but maybe they're loony feelings and that's yeah. okay. They're still valid. They still make up you. But they're loony, and that's okay. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. You can find me at Hannah Jones Cool on all social media platforms. You can find me at Calvin Reed, R-E-I-D underscore, and just about every social media platform. And you can follow us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Hannah Jones Cool. It's for both of us, even though it says Hannah Jones Cool. It is a shared Patreon account for this podcast. You get an extra bonus episode every month, and the link to submit a question is in the podcast description. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you.